Okay. We got the thumbs up. Things are being recorded. So, Vin, like, what are we doing today? This is like your show. Oh, I'm not hearing you yet. Are other people hearing, Vin? Yeah, Vin, we don't have you yet, man. Or no? You know what? Yeah, I don't have Vin yet. Do I have anything? Thanks. So. You guys can. Okay, yeah, I can hear Carl. So, so it's just Vin. This is why you don't buy your MacBook Pro at the local flea market. This is why you don't do that. Yeah, Vin's icon is gone because uh, he probably signed back out and in again. See if uh, that does any good there. I think I heard you, Vin. I think something happened there. Uh, okay, I don't hear you, though. Are you on? No, I don't hear you. Not hearing Vin. All right. We're just going to hang tight here a couple seconds. Give Vin a chance. Why don't we uh, get started? So here's the deal is that Vin, um, uh, Vin wanted to look at some select um, recordings from the past, and uh, he dug some stuff up as he was digitizing. And so, um, all right, we'll give Vin one more shot here, and then... Um, Yeah, I just heard something briefly. But now I'm not hearing anything. How about now? I can hear you now, yes. yes. Oh, excellent. See? All right. Now this is, as you were saying, it's like I've been digging through a lot of old recordings, and I had to mess around with my audio settings to, to transfer them and digitize them, so I completely blown out my audio. I had to oh, I just figured it was because you... You bought your MacBook at the flea market. <laughs> the guy was very nice. He told me it was going to work fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have MacBook for you. Okay. All right. We're off. Uh, we're off to a um, shaky start here, but let's uh, it, then introduce what we're going to do here, and then let's let's get down to it because we've got a lot to go here, don't we? Yeah. There's there's a there's a good. We'll see how far we get. Um. You know, I called up. There's a lot of uh. We're going way back into uh, bands' performances back in probably as the earliest as the 60s, I'm thinking. Uh, the first up is the Muirhead and Sons, which were world champions through the late 50s, through the 
parts of the 60s, one of the premier bands of the day. Um, I think this performance here is from that era, probably from the late 50s, early 60s, I believe. Um, you know, pipe band, pipe band recordings were sparse back then. Like that was like usually the only thing you could find was were compilation records, you know, with all the bands, you know, sort of, you know, March of the Pipes. And it was like all the bands of the day, you know, with their sets and, and stuff. And uh, that was pretty much all you could find up until like probably like the 80s. Um, when, you know, pipe bands started releasing specific albums, band-specific albums, you know. Um, late 70s was really kind of kicked that off with Dicer and Donald and Shots and Dykehead when they were having their successes, and then it sort of, sort of spearheaded out into what we see today, really, you know. Um, so we're going to go back in time and hear some of these bands and listen to their performances and sort of see if they hold up to today's today's sound and, and playing. So should be fun. Let's do it. Yeah. So first up, like I said, Muirhead and Sons uh, Pipe Band, Pipe Major Robert G. Hardy, the Robert G. Hardy. So here we go. Ah.
Amazing. It's amazing what a little reverb and probably a little bit of chorusing does to uh, like Absolutely. four, four pipers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I think Muirhead and Sons may have had an album about at probably late '60s, early '70s, maybe, um, and that may be where this is from. Uh, this, this compilation is 25 years of World Pipe Band Champions, and it's really just sort of a selection of random tracks from probably from different albums uh, by the various bands. Uh, it wasn't exactly not actually like pipe band perform like world performances or anything. Any kind of just sort of tracks. Um, so I'm thinking that was something from one of those albums. Yeah, stylistically, it sounds a lot more modern than early '60s. Yeah. Like it was it must, that must have been at least like mid '70s. Yeah, it's it's possible. It's possible. Um, but you know, then again, like that said, I think you know that's what really set a lot of these bands apart. You know, Muirhead and Sons and Edinburgh City Police and you know even early Glasgow Police. They were um, you know, they were sort of, you know, revolutionary in that sort of, you know, driving presentation that we sort of, that sort of led us today to, to where we are today, you know. Um, that was sort of the secret to their success almost, you know. That's the relentless attack approach to MSR playing. <laughs> nice pulse in those tunes, though. Really good. Yeah. Um, it's pretty good, pretty good, um, pretty good, pretty interesting. Someone was commenting flatter pitch, of course, right? Significantly yeah, yeah. flatter. Yeah, definitely, definitely different drumming style as well. You listen closer to the drumming, different sound, different techniques. Um, definitely, not, um, you know, today's drumming is a lot, a lot different. Mm. Absolutely. So let's keep going, right? I mean, no. yeah. yeah. Up next is Edinburgh City Police Pipe Band. Um, they were probably, again, before the Muirhead and Son came around, they were the premier band to beat. Um, pipe major Daniel, Donald Shaw Ramsey, and then later Ian McLeod was pipe major in the late 50s, I think, early 60s. Um, so, and they were, you know, again, they, they like re responsible for a lot of the, the style that many other bands adopted uh, back then in drumming and piping, you know. So... This is up next is some Strathbays and reels, sort of a taste of old Strathbay and reel playing.
Motor City Police Pipe Band. That was intense. Yeah. <laughs> Circassian Circle, that's not a tune you hear too often these days. It was pretty cool. I think that was like, I mean, it's it seems weird to us now, but I thought that was a really musical uh, presentation. Cer- I mean, certainly the stress bay drumming was, it's good to see that um, we are no you know, we are no less sure about what to do with the drumming and stress bass. <laughs> yeah. Cause they just sort of go for it. You know, there's like no thinking there. It's just like, let's just have at it, you know? Yeah. Very interesting. And of course, yeah, progression of pitch in both snare drumming and, uh, in the pipes, right? Yeah. Pitch keeps going up. And say, up I and can't, up. I'm not really up on my drumming history, pipe band drumming history. I want to say Edinburgh City Police Pipe Band. They were one of the sort of the uh, the forerunners of sort of a modern style, if you want to call it that. A lot of the drummers that came through that band were uh, stylistically very sort of innovative, uh, bringing lots of different things uh, into their playing. I can't remember who was drum the drummer there. I can't. Uh, sorry. Anybody else knows, please speak up. <laughs> Very interesting. It reminds me of a lot of the stuff I used to listen to as a kid. Yeah, my dad used yeah. to make tapes out of all this stuff. Yeah, because it was like it was all over the place. Like you would, you know, find like this performance would be on a on a, a, a record you could buy like a tourist shop. You know, it was like you know Scotland's best. You know, it would be like you know there would be one track would be all these different musical groups and it'd be Edinburgh Sea Police Bike Band would be on there. You know, with a really cool set. You know, so it'd be neat. All right, let's uh, journey onwards. What's next? I've been pipe major Bob Shepard. This is from uh, Scroll of the Pipes from 1976. Uh, this is um, probably one of the first pipe band forays into P-Rock. So let's give it a listen.
All right. Now, I think you well, that was that, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, that was revolutionary in its day, man. This, when this album came out, Dyson and Dondano were pretty much the band sort of pay attention to back then. Um, even though they only won the world a couple of times, but they were in the list like every year throughout the seventies. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they were, I think that was the first time like a pipe band had ever done P-Rock, you know, that was like the thing, you know, and everybody was talking about that. It was like a thing that and it went away for a while. Like no one dared touch it again, <laughs> you know, for a long time, you know, just one of those things that's sort of dipping your toe into things. Okay. I'm open-minded to that. <laughs> yeah. You definitely hear like a change, right? The transition to it, like a more modern pitch uh, generally, right? This is like mid-70s, something like that. So uh, already things starting to change. Yeah. Well, Scottish Power was not the most recent band to do that. Mm, yeah. There's... Um, that, like I mean, that, I mean, P-Brock that comes to mind was like SFU Pipe Band. Mm -hmm. What concert would it have been? Carnegie Hall or Alive in America or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, as far as actually being at the Worlds, I don't know. But this Dicer recording wasn't at the Worlds. No, this is from their album. This is from their album. This yeah. is recording, studio recording. Um, they never, yeah, they never did this in their any other medleys. Um, but uh, I, I recall. Toronto release, maybe Toronto Metro, maybe when it was Toronto district, perhaps doing something like with lament for the heart tree back in the yeah. early nineties, maybe something like that. Um, yeah, it's been tried. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't forget Oren Moore pipe band, like back in the heyday. <laughs> right. We, we rocked the Glenn is mine for years. That's right. <laughs> for better or for worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Let's keep let's keep it going. That was certainly interesting. I'm looking forward to hearing Tom McAllister and Alec Duthert. Yeah, from the shores of Loch Katrine, which is another album from 1976, is when bands were sort of popular enough to have their own sort of, you know, lead album there. So uh, this is their uh, this is their medley, I believe. One of their um, medley. I don't know if this is from one of the world's. Rec performances or not. I'm not sure it might be a studio recording, but this is definitely one of their winning medleys. So here we go.
I don't know what happened there. An early cutoff there. Early cutoff. They cut off. Uh, Losing points. For the grand finale, man. Oh, shoot. What happened there? Oh, well. Um, yeah, that was pretty interesting. I'm not convinced that's Alec Duthert. You don't think so? I, it's, it, it, who knows, man? I, I think, you know, he's definitely credited on the album. Um, so it could be in that one of those weird sort of periods where he was moving around. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was definitely like in the early seventies, it was definitely Alec Duthert was their part of their win in 73 and 74, I believe. Um, as he was, I think part of Edinburgh city's police win in like 72 or something, 71, I'm one of those. Well, and plus he, he was also an Invergordon distillery guy. Right, too. Right, right. That's yeah. So it might, it might've been one of those weird periods where he was just bouncing around. I don't know, but you can definitely hear the influence though. That's for sure. Yeah, it's pretty. It sounded pretty one-dimensional to me. It sounded pretty absent of uh, Alec Duthert touches. Yeah. Um, so it must either have been like in the early days, or uh, or maybe after he had gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's and, interesting. The medleys are just sort of like a string of tunes. <laughs> you know, they just like put a bunch of tunes together. You know. Yeah. This before they invented the break between tunes. Exactly. <laughs> it's good I mean, it's it's interesting it's interesting for sure i'm with rohan on this one i uh i just kind of want to reach into the recording and tune a couple of those channels <laughs> a little bit because what's interesting is the quality of tone is so nice and so good but yeah. like just i think the demand for the demand for really precise tuning hadn't quite it hadn't quite evolved to that point yet like we're nice. still at the point where like who can lay down the sickest beat? Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> exactly. And then they're, they're going to be like the grand champions. And then yeah. I think as we start to venture closer to 1987, early nineties, then it starts to become like a lot more competitive and interesting yeah. and, and a lot. That, more was back in, that was back in the day where, you know, blend was the word, right? You wanted like a nice quality of sound. You want a nice blend, something that's just sort of, blends nicely together but not necessarily precise and uh and refined you know it was like more like just an overall feeling effect or something that you wanted which they certainly got and a lot of these early you know good really good bands in the early days like that had it you know they had this like sort of overall sort of quality about their sound that was you know listenable and sort of enjoyable and that was that was the thing that was that was the top of the heap you know so until somebody did something better you know <laughs> Yeah, it's all very interesting. I think we forget just how recently, you know, it was still, er, you know, early stages. Yeah, it's like, exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's similar to the fact that like 10 years ago, the iPhone would have been like a funny joke if someone said it would exist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. You know, you take a lot of stuff for granted, you know, you know, we just take good, good sound for granted in some of these top bands. And, you know, you don't realize like, good sound, you know, not that long ago was this, you know, and, uh, that was the best thing you could get, you know, I think if, you know, uh, I think if you, if you told, um, you know, people like people in Dicer and shots, what, 30 years ago, um, that, uh, you know, field marshal would be going on the field with 24 people 
and giving <laughs> such and such a mind-bendingly amazing, perfectly tuned sound, so perfectly stable. You know, I think people probably would have laughed, just like you would laugh if you said, you know, like um, you're going to be able to be anywhere in the world and have a video a video conference with somebody literally anywhere else in the world, you know, yeah, um, yeah. all in the palm of your hand, people would have laughed at you even 10 years ago. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a perspective thing. Like, you know, you're always, you know, one of the, I'm sure they had, they shared a similar mindset where they were always trying to make it better, right? They're always trying to push things and trying to keep it, you know, make it that much better because, you know, com competition is competition. And when you have other bands, you know, sort of uh, breathing down your necks, you want to make sure that you're at the top of your game all the time. And um, it's, it's funny, like if you ever, you know, if you, if you told them back then that it could be so much better and here's how to do it, you know, they probably wouldn't believe you, you know, they would just think you were crazy or something, you know, they totally wouldn't believe you. I mean, we, we come across that at the dojo all the time, you know, like we come across resistance, resistance to that sort of forward thinking. Right. So, it, you know, and you can't force evolution, right. You can have, you can have great ideas and with any luck, you know, people will look back and say, wow, you know, hopefully they'll look back and say, wow, Dojo is way ahead of their time or, you know, because we certainly say that, right? When you look at, you know, when you look at what um, like Reed Maxwell was doing in the mid 90s or you look at um, what Jack and Terry Lee were doing in the mid 80s, you know, then right, you right. just kind of have to, you kind of have to wait for the evolution of it all to catch up and then suddenly it becomes really relevant. Yeah, and it's funny, like, as we get sort of more modern, I guess, when the next track will be from the World Pipe Band Championships from 1987, this is uh, 78th Fraser's winning medley, which is comes in at a whopping six minutes. <laughs> it goes on forever. Um, you know, you start to wonder, like, back then, even at SFU, right? So Terry, you know, he's bringing the band. I think they were second that year or third? They were second that year, I think. Um, right. You know, did they have in, in their minds like where they were going to go, say, in the mid 90s, you know, when they, you know, having their string of wins, you know, where, you know, that's kind of where we need to be. Was that in their sort of germ sort of, you know, growing in the, in the back of their minds in 1987 or were they just sort of responding to what was going on at the time, you know? Um, and just sort of pushing things just a little bit, just to see how far they could go, <laughs> you know, just like, let's, let's try this and see where we go. You know, we'll just, we'll just see what happens, you know? Um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. It's a good question. I think they did have it in their minds where they were going, you know, where it needed to go. Yeah. So let's get a little taste of that. Um, this is 78th Fraser Highlanders, uh, world winning medley in 1987, you know,
pretty uh, legendary. legendary. Pretty legendary. That's legendary. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. I think it's a good contrast to uh, to everything else. This is, this is kind of where it all started to change, right? They, I mean, they were doing this stuff for a couple of years before they finally won um, and sort of got recognized or rewarded for it, you know. Um, but it's, and, that, and that was like sort of the beginning of the, of the beginning of the end, if you want to say that, um, where bands started sort of doing similar things, you know, to sort of crack the list. Um, and it's, it's, it's funny. It's started, it definitely started to take off at exactly that moment, you know, like yeah. in, in retrospect. Totally. Because yeah. from there, because from there, you had like Field Marshal Montgomery's like legendary uh, medley with Queen of the Rushes. Yeah through to SFU 95, 96, then Victoria Police, right. uh, 98, uh, then more SFU, then, um, then Field Marshal, and then, you know, totally, and then now totally. just this extreme, extreme Field Marshal dominance right now. Right, and you see, and you see this, you know, and if we get to the last track, the track by Police, I mean, they were, they were well on their way of scoring 11 Worlds wins in a row um, until this happened. And then they won it, I think, three more times and then you never saw them again. <laughs> it was like, it was really sort of that, the end of that sort of old guard, old style sort of presentation that just sort of like was just cast aside, like suddenly and like wholeheartedly, you know, it was like, we don't want that anymore. We want this. And that's, that's what the bands did, you know. What's interesting is, you know, you could say, you, you might be able to say to a certain degree that, that field marshal has kind of returned to the Strathclyde police like style. It's just, you know, 30 years later, basically, um, you know, where it's, it's, uh, it's now like back to being like simple, but just amazing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then 87 things really turned a corner towards more complex, uh, and a lot more like people are pointing out how textured things are and how, you know, how, how, you know, interesting they are. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, things are know, turning back. Things are turning back towards, you know, uh, towards refining the complexity now. You know, uh, yeah, for sure. Things, things got crazy for a while, right? There was a period there in the late '90s, I think, um, where things got pretty, pretty, pretty wacky. You know, there was. <laughs> I think I remember some performances from the like late '90s, early 2000s that to dig them up. They were just like layered with bridges and 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 you know just complex harmonies that were like throughout, you know, just start to finish, you know, it was like no sort of balance really. It was just sort of like a constant barrage, you know, and then, although I don't know, yeah. I might already be eating my uh, own words there. No, but not for everybody, but it was like, you know, it definitely there was a trend that was sort of taking shape and that did, did sort of dissipated after a while. People sort of get a little more, a little more tasteful with it all after a while. It's a little bit game of Thrones esque, isn't it? Cause there's like, uh, especially the medleys where like, you know, there'll be people like, you know, mounting these huge like approaches like the 78th Fraser's medleys of the late nineties come to mind. They just never quite did it. And then, you know, they, yeah. they got killed by Tywin Lannister or something like that, you know, like some random tragedy yeah, happened exactly. and, and uh, it's just these bands that stay at the top. No matter what. Exactly. Very interesting. Maybe that's why pipe band people love Game of Thrones so much, is it's like so so therapeutic. This has got that quality, right? <laughs> it just it takes like it's like one 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 moment to like ruin everything, you know. 
and then then you have to you have to sort of go back and you know rebuild your forces or something, and then you know rely on your sort of reputation and and your uh, and your history. Right. Or one missing ingredient can be the difference between nobody ever ever remembering you and the whole world you know acknowledging how much of a legend you were. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what's interesting going back to more serious conversation, it's interesting you know the Reed Maxwell ingredient you know, seems to be what's missing for all the other North American bands because he's literally um, the thing that ties every North American win together. Yeah. And no true. band has ever it's won true. without Reed Maxwell as lead tip. Ever. Never happened. That's right. Um, it's true. And, like, I'm trying to think of the next closest, you know. Like, I guess um, – I guess 78th Frasers were in the top six a couple of times with leading drummers like Harvey Dawson and, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And they were con- they were consistently in the top six. I mean, they were like more or less, you know, a lot like, uh, like Scottish Powers been, you know, like in the list, up the, up the list, down the list kind of thing, but always, always there, you know. I think until probably like the late 90s was like the first year they got like bumped out of it. Um, and then, then they were back in it for a while, and then they were out of it, you know. And then they were qualifying over here just like everybody else. So. All right, let's carry on because we'll end up talking all day and not get into our last two recordings. Yeah, yeah. So here we go. Yeah, Scott Rail Velavato with Pipe Major Ian Duncan was one of those bands that sort of like took what the 78th were doing and just said, you know what? Perfect like, example. Perfect example of a Game of Thrones band going, right here. So. Yep. One of the best bands never to yeah, win the world. Totally. <laughs> Exactly.
My audio died. What is happening? What happened? There's more to go on Could this. Could be too. that you decoded this music on a flea market laptop. <laughs> Bad bits? Is that what it is? Something's going on there. It's just like herky jerky. Yeah. I listen to all these too before I, before right. I put them up there. So I don't know. Must just be a software glitch. I think we got the idea. I, that's a really impressive set there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah that's people have already favorites. forgotten. Um, people I, I, have I, already I, forgotten what an incredible band the Scott Rail era of the Vale of Athol was. You know. Yeah, they were they were really good. They're doing a lot of innovative stuff that were uh, that was not. Um, sort of fully appreciated, I think, by the, the wider competitive community, you know. Yeah, very interesting. One of Gordon Duncan's yeah, earlier and most epic compositions, Zito the Bubble Man. Absolutely. Really, really cool. Yeah, and I like that last tune. We didn't get to hear all of it, but the, the that's the fourth horn concerto by Mozart, which is arranged for pipes, which is really cool. Interesting. Very, very cool. All right, let's hit this last one here. We're doing an MSR. MSR. This is a. Uh, this is from Strathclyde Police's album, six in a row. No band has ever done it, although Field Marshal's getting close. What is Field Marshal at? Field Marshal is going for number six this year, right? Yeah, this year will be number six. Yeah. Um, and then and what? Think... And then uh, didn't they get seven in a row? Who? Strathclyde? No, six in a row. No, they were six in a row, and then it was broken by 78th, and then they won, I think, three more times um, after that. So, so how does that make 11? What are we? So six? Well, they won, they won before that, too. I, I'm counting all together, like up to like the period of when they stopped winning, that they won a total of 12 times, which is, you know, no band has reached that yet. Although Field Marshal again is getting close. Field Marshal is getting close, and I don't see anybody stopping them yeah. at the moment. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, It's hard when you have a, you know, you have to be around a long time to win that many times, you know, and, and Field Marshal is definitely one of those bands, you know, they've just always been around. They're, I don't think there's a Piper playing in any band right now that doesn't remember a time where there wasn't a Field Marshal Montgomery performance at the Worlds. Um, so that's where we are now. So let's hear Strathclyde Police. This was the pinnacle of MSR playing of the day.
Yeah. <laughs> I like that drive. Yeah, really nice. Really, really good. Like I said, very field marshal-esque. Like, compare that to what must have been happening elsewhere. Yeah, totally. This is like definitely like like you know go for it and you're you're either on or not. <laughs> you know, you're just it's just like you just the, the, the train's leaving, the supersonic train's gone, and it's you better be on it. You know, and uh, they just it just keeps moving. You know, just ultra just ultra rich harmonics and you know ultra satisfying sound. Yeah, that that sort of wins, doesn't it? Right, ultra totally. satisfying sound. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like you know I think this is you know I think this you know Strathclyde's sort of you know their sort of uh, reign during that period was more or less you know that that was as good as it could sound right that, that their sound was legendary at the time and I think when you know Field Marshal started doing it, another band started getting they sort of cracked it you know they sort of be, they were able to get something more refined a little bit more precise and I think that's when things started shifting toward that way like late 80s 90s that's when you know the sound became the thing you know like now these bands are really sounding precise and everything's that much better you know so and some bands just couldn't keep up like strap you know because they, they were doing things different they're, they're the same way they had been doing them all along and it just wasn't good enough anymore you know yeah i agree well i think that you know um the next band to really crack the sound barrier that comes to mind for me would probably be more SFU than Field Marshal because they were already cracking it at this time. They just didn't really have a drum corps to challenge the top mm -hmm. um, during, during the mid to late 80s. A lot of people don't realize right, that. Right. You know, even though Field Marshal, even though Field Marshal won um, before SFU did, um, you know, Richard Park cites SFU as one of his big inspirations for creating a great sound, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you have to think, you know, these bands are at the top, they're cracking, they're in the top six, you know, repeatedly, um, 